y'all. This is Dana from DAS Financial Aid Consulting Services. I'd like to welcome you into today's episode where I'll highlight the 2024-2025 FAFSA rollout issues and how they are affecting students and their families. So first and foremost, um, I want to give you a little bit of background for those of you that may be new to my podcast. Uh, The podcast let's talk financial aid for college came to be actually five years ago um, and I wanted to help students and their families as well as my fellow financial aid professionals understand uh, the process of federal student aid and also um, give you some background uh, with regards to the regulations uh, that are passed in Congress to um, help you understand how it affects financial aid. So uh, part of what is going on with this year's rollout um, for the FAFSA is the entire system for the United States Department of Education um, is being updated to a new system. Now, I've been in this industry for a little over 17 years, and uh, what they're trying to do this year is something that um, in most of the financial aid professionals' opinions should have been done in stages. Because what they're trying to do is not only did they um, present a new FAFSA, application due to the FAFSA Simplification Act that was passed in December of 2020. They also decided that they were going to revamp the whole entire system on how aid is uh, the aid is calculated from the FAFSA application. And there have been multiple delays um, in producing the results of the FAFSA applications if you can even complete the FAFSA application. So today, I'm going to try to uh, break down exactly what has been happening and what uh, students and their families can do um, at this point if you have not received uh, information resulting in a completed FAFSA. So again, my name is Dana. I am the owner of DAS Financial Aid Consulting Services, and I'd like to again welcome you into Let's Talk Financial Aid for College. So the 2024-2025 FAFSA should have been released in October, but due to the current issues that they were having with the system with the new FAFSA, they delayed the FAFSA FAFSA release to actually complete the application until December. Now, my prior podcast that I hosted in December and also in January, uh, I had outlined that uh, the release in December was a little bit um, presumptuous for the department due to the fact that there is an annual conference that's held at always the week after Thanksgiving. And also, as we all know, everybody starts winding down for the holiday. You have students that are taking uh, their midterm exams uh, and then they are releasing within two weeks uh, of 
the holiday the physical holiday itself and that includes government so what happened was uh, they delayed the release and the release didn't actually occur until a few hours prior to midnight of December 31st now as we all know December 31st is New Year's Eve so there may not have been a lot of folks uh, that were ready to complete the FAFSA actually on New Year's Eve. Uh, I don't know about y'all, but I was celebrating the ringing in of the new year. So when the release occurred, as most issues happen with new programs, there are kinks that need to be worked out. And still to this day, there are issues going on where I have observed through the Federal Student Aid Facebook page the frustration of many students and their parents trying to complete the form but they're not able to complete the form because they cannot still access it. Now this is February 16th and we have a number of students that are awaiting decision, early decision, um, and if they've made that early decision they're also trying to figure out how they're going to afford to go to school. And the FAFSA not only needs to be completed to determine whether or not you're going to receive any federal aid such as Pell Grant, um, federal work study, uh, federal, um, they call it SEOG, which is um, additional supplemental uh, aid that does not have to be paid back. These are grants that do not have to be paid back along with the actual direct loans that everybody qualifies for. Doesn't matter what your income is with the exception of a parent plus loan. If a parent applies, they have to have a credit search done. And once that it determines whether or not they are able to receive the parent plus loan. But as far as a student goes, the student's credit does not get checked. So they are eligible to receive loans even if they are not Pell eligible, grant eligible. Um, but also the FAFSA is linked to state aid and scholarships. And at this point in time, we have multiple students that are in limbo right now because their applications have not been processed, nor have the schools that some applications that have been processed with the school code of the students choosing have not received the result of the application in order to determine whether or not this what aid the student is eligible to receive so this is a hot mess I'm just gonna put it out there it is a hot mess and nobody knows how this is gonna work out and it is such a mess that last week I was uh, receiving emails in from the Government Accountability Office, uh, which I have become a member of, to receive uh, information, um, and it's coming in from the Committee on Education and the Workforce. So I uh, signed up to get the press releases, and last week it just so happened that one of the major press releases that came out and I shared this information on my LinkedIn page and also on my Facebook page um, as well as the DAS 
uh, business page, financial aid consulting services business page and group, that the U.S. Committee on Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions, the ranking member Cassidy Colleagues announced GAO investigation into Biden admins botched FAFSA rollout. Now, they had a press conference. You can watch it on YouTube. Um, and if you would like the link, you're, I'm happy to provide it, which I did, again, provide this information on my Facebook page, as well as the DAS financial aid. Uh, consulting services page and in the group which is a private group um, if you'd like to become a member of that you can um, just locate it on Facebook there are questions that need to be answered if you don't answer the questions then you're not going to be admitted to the group and also I have a LinkedIn page um, as well where I shared the information so the senators that um, got together uh, during this conference, uh, the uh, YouTube uh, video, uh, it was Senator Bill Cassidy from Louisiana. Uh, there was also uh, Roger Marshall from Kansas, Senator Shelley Moore Capito from West Virginia, and Joni, Senator Joni Ernst from Iowa. Now, those individuals had the press conference that was again videoed and um, they are calling for the investigation on the botched rollout as part of this announcement there was a letter that was sent to the comptroller general Dodero, which is dated for february 7th of this year and the department of education's it, it says that the department of education's office a federal student aid, also known as FSA, is the largest provider of student financial aid in the nation. In fiscal year 2022, the office processed about 17 million free applications for federal student aid, also known as the FAFSA forms. These were done paper and electronic and delivered approximately 110.7 billion in aid to about 10 million post-secondary students and their families. Each student applying for federal financial aid must complete a FAFSA, either electronically or on a paper copy, which is used to determine student aid eligibility. Until recently, most of the FAFSA forms have been submitted electronically through Education Central Processing System, known as CPS. However, FSA has reported that CPS is an expensive and outdated legacy system. In 2021, FSA initiated a multi-project program called the Student Aid and Borrower Eligibility Reform, also known as SABER, initiative, which, among other things, is intended to replace and modernize CPS. This CPS replacement project within SABRE is referred to as the Award Eligibility Determination Project. In June 2023, GAO reported that this project was in need of additional testing before it could achieve its goal of fully implementing the project by December of 2023 and begin processing FAFSA forms in a new system referred to as the FAFSA Processing System by January 2024 for the 2024-2025 application cycle.
On December 31, 2023, Education posted on its Federal Student Aid X account, formerly known as Twitter, that the department started the soft launch of the 2024-2025 FAFSA form on December 30th. The post added that Education would be monitoring site performance during this launch period, initiating pauses to the site to conduct maintenance and the education and identified some minor issues affecting other user experience. On January 1st, 2024, Education posted to X that the form was available for short periods of time to ensure a better experience for students and families. However, Media reports paint a more frustrating user experience than what education communicated on social media. According to one media report, the application was available for only three hours from December 30, 2023 through January 2, 2024. In addition, many applicants experienced repeated loading screens, please wait pages, errors in submission, and other issues according to a separate media report. Based on the initial poor user experience, we have significant questions about the extent to which the FAFSA processing system underwent all needed testing, what system issues were uncovered in testing, and the decision-making process to roll out the system with, un with known issues. Accordingly, we request that GAO review the recent launch of the FAFSA processing system in formulating its specific objectives for this work. We ask that GAO consider the following. 1. To what extent did FSA perform needed testing on the system used to submit the 2024-2025 FAFSA form? 2. What system issues were identified as part of testing and to what extent were those issues resolved? 3. To what extent were education and FSA leadership aware of system issues and involved in launch decision making? 4. What system issues remain unresolved and does FSA have plans to address them? 5. To what extent has education and FSA established and implemented a process to gather lessons learned from this launch, ensuring that these lessons are incorporated in future system releases. Thank you for your assistance in this matter. Please contact Patrick Fox of Ranking Member Cassidy's staff and Gabriella Pistone of Chairman Fox's staff to discuss the details and timing of this GAO review and is signed by Senator Ranking Member Bill Cassidy and also Chairwoman Virginia Fox. So that letter was released last week and also there was a um, website that also accompanied the release and that website is help.senate.gov forward slash FAFSA. This is a FAFSA re issue reporting hotline. So if you've experienced issues with completing the FAFSA, you can go to this website. Again, it's help.senate.gov forward slash FAFSA. And you can complete this, this form and submit it so that um, they, your voice will be heard by the um, committee that is doing the investigation 
of the botched FASTWAP rollout. Now, the department has a uh, website for all uh, financial aid professionals called the Federal Student Aid uh, Partners. So it's fsapartners.ed.gov. And if you go to the Knowledge Center, they have a library and there's some electronic announcements. So in response to, I assume, the letter that was submitted to the comptroller, the department submitted uh, an electronic announcement that uh, was dated for February 13th of this week. And what they announced was basically a lax. So they're relaxing compliance and they're asking for or submitting, I think it was $50 million is what I read to deploy federal uh, federal employees to go to different schools. So they're, they're dedicating funding to provide technical assistance and support. And they're also sending letters to presidents of Title IV participating institutions. So the announcement basically said they were making it easier and more efficient for schools to process student records. Today, the Department of Education is announcing steps to help colleges process student records faster and more efficiently. This includes significantly reducing verification requirements. This year, the department will be significantly reducing verification requirements while continuing key measures focused on avoiding identity fraud. In past years, the department selected a much larger portion of FAFSA applicants for colleges to verify. More recently, the department has gradually reduced the verification rate to more effectively target verification efforts while alleviating burdens for millions of students and thousands of schools. With the implementation of the direct data exchange with the IRS made possible by this year's overhauled VASPA form, the department is receiving the vast majority of income data directly from the IRS, which would not need to be further verified. This year's significant reduction in verifications will reduce the burden for colleges and students while continuing to protect against fraud. They're also suspending new routine program reviews. As part of its oversight duties, the department routinely conducts program reviews to confirm a college meets the department's requirements for institutional eligibility, financial responsibility, and administrative capability. The department will suspend all new program reviews through June 2024. Except for those related to the most serious issues like suspected fraud or severe breach of fiduciary duty. Institutions with an ongoing program review can also request extensions for responses to program reviews, reports, or requests for additional documentation. This flexibility will reduce that time that colleges' financial aid offices need to devote to producing documentation and responding to department inquiries during the time they need to focus on quickly getting aid awarded offers to students. They're also providing additional flexibility on recertification. Institutions are currently required to routinely recertify eligibility to the department's federal student aid programs no later than 90 days before their program participation agreement, PPA, expires. The department will waive 
that 90-day requirement for schools whose PPA March expires in March, June, or September of 2024, meaning these schools will have their have until their expiration date to submit a recertification application. Providing this flexibility will give time to institutions at a critical moment and enable them to focus their resources on getting students the aid they need. And then they also announced deploying expertise and then funding and tools to help colleges make the most of the better FAFSA. And they say that these steps build upon the work underway to support colleges and students through the department's FAFSA college support strategy. Now, I'm not going to read the rest of this uh, due to the fact that what they're doing has nothing to do with their system not working. The system has to work in order for the applications to be produced. So if the system isn't working, which is why the GAO is in the process of doing their investigation, then what they have announced in this announcement is not going to help the situation out. And I can tell you from personal experience and reviews of applications, tax fraud is running rampant on the applications that we have for this current award year, which is 2023-2024 and every award year starts on July 1st and runs until June 30th of the following year and for the current applications that we're reviewing those if the information that is being utilized or required to complete the FAFSA application for the current award year is from 2021 and there are multiple students that have filled out the information with false information. And then they come back and say, well, they made a mistake. They didn't realize what the, what the, um, the FAFSA was asking and they put the wrong information on there. So they wipe out all their income. And then you come to find out when you press the issue that they really did have income. And it's, it's one of those where the, the taxpayers right now are vulnerable because of everything that's going on with the Department of Education. So I'm just going to put it out there as it is that again, as I stated earlier, this whole process for this year is a hot mess. It's so bad that there was an article written on, and let's see, article was written um, for a publication called Inside Higher Ed. And it was dated for February 5th. And basically the um, the uh, author, Liam Knox, uh, wrote the article about colleges that are pushing back admission deadlines after the latest FAFSA delay. But not all its institutions will be affected equally and many aren't yet ready to make the call. Now, one of the institutions that did make the call is the University of New Hampshire. So the University of New Hampshire decided that they were going to make the call and they made the call and now they are um, changing their admissions to a rolling admissions as of last week. So it was last week 
so the article was written on February 5th so the the prior week um, would have been the last week of January that they, that the University of New Hampshire made that call uh, the other institutions pushed their deadlines were Monmouth College in Illinois Kalamazoo College in Michigan and Lewis and Clark College in Oregon and Widener University in Pennsylvania suspended its May 1st commitment deadline, but has yet to replace it with a new date. Um, I shared this article as well on uh, my Facebook page and uh, the DAS uh, business page as well, so you can read that uh, full article. And, and then there's also an article that was written on February 12th in the LA Times uh, regarding the, this is just the biggest fiasco, college admissions upended by financial aid form glitches. So right now with this whole entire mess that we have and we're going into March. Now I understand this is February 16th, but they're saying supposedly they're going to send out test uh, results from the FAFSAs that have been successfully entered uh, sometime in March. But as Chairwoman Fox said, she would be highly surprised if that deadline was met. Because right now, there's not a lot going on in the building down in Washington, D.C. at the Department of Ed building. There's little to no activity of people in there physically working. And that is highlighted in her statement that she provided as well um, in a YouTube video on the federal, uh, on the Committee of Education and the Workforce uh, page. So, at this point in time, what's going to happen is we're in a holding pattern and so every student that's waiting to make a decision as to whether or not they're able to pay for school um, it, it, again you're in a holding pattern and the only thing that I can advise you on is that you just you need to be ready to make the decision when you can make the decision uh, as, as soon as possible but keeping in mind that you need to also be financial literate about the decision that you're making because this is a huge huge decision for you that could affect you as a student and your family for the rest of your life it is no secret that this in the united states we have student loan debt that is just astronomical and it's ridiculous and it's all because there are students out there that were attracted to go to a school to pay an exorbitant amount of money for an education that they may or not may not be using and we're told that they would make an amount of money or had a mindset that they would make you know hundreds upon thousands of dollars as soon as they graduated when some of them can't even get a job in the area that they got their degree in so as a financial literacy coach I want to advise you that 
if you are looking at an institution that you out of pocket cannot pay to go to then I would advise you to look at another institution that might be more affordable uh, to your current situation if you're looking at going to a school that is going to at the end of a four-year term cost you over two hundred fifty thousand dollars and you don't even have a job or you don't have any money in your bank account to even afford to go to one semester at this $250,000 school, you should not be even looking at this school. That's just the facts of life. So my advice to you is during this waiting period is to review the colleges that you're wanting to go to for the degree that you're looking to go to you're looking to obtain so for example uh, the majority of the schools that I service as clients are cosmetology technical schools across the country of the across the United States so I have automotive I have electricians I have HVAC I have uh, tractor-trailer schools I have uh, cosmetology schools and, and and those schools are all schools that you're gonna get a certificate and when you graduate they also have placement so you have a job as soon as you get out of school and you're also not paying two hundred fifty thousand dollars to go to these schools and when it comes down to whether or not you can you're gonna be Pell Grant eligible I can tell you that you only get seven thousand three hundred and ninety five dollars and that's the maximum that you can qualify for for the first year and then on top of that if you're a first year student you can request three thousand five hundred dollars in a sub loan and if you are a student that is dependent meaning you require to have to have your parents information on your application you can only request $2,000 in an unsub loan without a parent plus denial. If your parent applies for a plus loan and they get denied, then you can get $6,000. Request $6,000 to be awarded in an unsub loan. And so that is a total of, if you are a dependent student, $5,500 without a plus denial and 9500 with a plus denial okay you're almost ten thousand dollars in debt with that but again if you are going to a career or technical school who is in the title four program that we've been discussing then you are going to again be placed and have a job upon graduation it also takes you far less time to go to a career school and get your certification than it does for a individual that is going to a four-year institution so as far as scholarship goes I would highly recommend <coughs> you, you utilize scholarships apply for them as much as possible 
it doesn't matter what if you don't apply you're never gonna know if you win the scholarship and there is millions of dollars in scholarships out there one of the uh, scholarships that I'm a huge advocate of is for Mike Rowe Mike Rowe is the guy that um, hosts the Dirty Jobs show for years he also um, I believe um, hosts a show called How America Works and he has a scholarship program uh, that he offers to students so uh, that are going into the trade fields and I do know for a fact I have uh, in a welding school that um, is a client of mine and they are located in New York and one of the students did apply for micro scholarship and did win the scholarship and so that reduced the amount of aid that he had to request to be awarded in loans so the um, scholarship uh, website that I utilize is scholarshipal360.com and you can go um, to there and peruse all of the scholarships that they have to offer and there are like I said millions of them some of them require essays some of them don't and I have a, a connection with a gal in Chicago her name is her business is scholarship mama her name is Teresa Harris and she that's all she does is help students find and apply for scholarships and she also helps with the essays so if you are looking for assistance you can contact Teresa and I'm sure she would be more than happy to take you on as a client and help you out with uh, locating scholarships so those are a few avenues that you can pursue and uh, again right now we're in a holding pattern and I just I suggest for those of you that have not been able to complete the FAFSA keep trying to complete the FAFSA uh, again I gave you the website to the um, Senate's uh, FAFSA issue reporting hotline again it's help.senate.gov forward slash FAFSA fill out that form if you're having issues fill it out your voice will be heard they're asking for folks to report the issues that you're having so that they can do their investigation and get this system up and running for those of you that are financial aid professionals and you're wondering what the heck's going on how this is going to affect me again uh, the announcements that are coming out from the department that I went over a little bit earlier in the podcast these announcements are just a band-aid of what they're putting on the issue if the system is not working it's not going to help significantly reduce in verification requirements it's just not going to you got to get the application out there and for us to be able as financial aid professionals to determine what the aid is for the student to get the award offers out there so the students know and their families whether or not they're going to be able to afford to go to your school and lastly I will say that there are a lot of schools right now that are on pins and needles as to whether or not they're going to make their targets for admissions this year 
because without the federal dollars flowing through, they're not going to be able to be funded. And that's why there's a panic going on right now. I'm not quite sure why the news media hasn't caught up to it, but there, you know, there's a few of them that are are writing the articles that to inform, but again, th this is a huge huge mess as far as this industry goes right now. So I'll, I'll keep everybody informed as best as I can. Um, again, it, there's a lot going on. Uh, so I will um, be back uh, as, as soon as there are more updates to provide you with. But right now, that's where we stand. And I recommend that um, if you want more updates, just you can always send me uh, emails and I'll be more than happy to answer your questions. Uh, but I update mostly on my LinkedIn page and I also update a lot on my Facebook pages. So if you haven't began following me at DAS Financial Aid Consulting Services.com, I mean, DAS Financial Aid Consulting Services LLC on the uh, business page for Facebook, uh, please do so. And also, um, if you want to be part of the private group, go ahead and uh, request admission to that group. And again, there's three questions you need to ask. If you don't answer the questions, you will not be admitted into the group. So thank you very much for uh, listening and uh, appreciate your support. And I will be back soon. Take care.